Talks Bus. Today on this episode of The Virtual Couch, learn about the term parasocial relationships. What does that mean? And why is it that the end of a popular favorite show, you can feel like you've just experienced a breakup? All that and more coming up today on The Virtual Couch. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to episode 133 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with pornography, compulsive sexual behavior, anything that they want to get out of their lives, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction or any type of sexual or compulsive sexual behavior. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. Uh, go there now and uh, download that ebook and get yourself on the path back to the life that you always dreamed of. And uh, please visit Virtual Couch on Instagram. Now you can also find the Virtual Couch page on Facebook. Uh, previously, I only pointed people to Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist on Facebook, but uh, why not? Go like them both. And if you have a minute, if you've enjoyed anything of a Virtual Couch podcast material, please do me a favor and go rate and review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And I really am grateful. I, I'm, I feel like there have uh, been a fair amount of um, very just incredibly positive reviews lately. So thank you for doing that. I really do appreciate that. And if you if you haven't just taken a minute to just, just go rate and review, um, that would just uh, be wonderful. I think I've mentioned this before, the phrase, um, the ratings, the reviews, the subscriptions are the podcast currency. So it's just uh, really grateful for those who take the time to do that. All right, I just realized that I have headphones on, but they are not plugged in. And that is why um, it sounds like uh, the recording is not working, but I'm pretty sure it has. And speaking of recordings, again, I can't say enough wonderful things about the folks at Oxbus. I posted about their, my experience in using their podcast recording platform and how responsive they've been, and that continues to be the case. And uh, that was in part of my last episode where I was talking about various areas, gaslighting intentional, which have got some great feedback there. And the, the Oxbus is, uh, I didn't even think about when you're saying nice things about a company that makes podcasts a podcast recording platform, they were able to just isolate the, the stuff that I was saying, and I was being extremely genuine. I didn't even think about the fact that they might isolate the clip, and uh, they put it up on their website, their Facebook page, and so um, I really am just, uh, it's, it's fun. It's exciting to kind of work with a company that is um, just uh, on the forefront of this podcast technology, because um, there's, just a, there's just a lot of exciting things that they're putting together, so if you're thinking about creating a podcast of any sort, please go check out Auxbus, A-U-X-B-U-S.com. Um, all right, let's get to the show. Okay, uh, that feels so much better not having headphones on that are actually not plugged in. It just sounded like everything was muffled. So uh, now I feel like I can hear clearly. And thanks for joining me today on episode 133. I am very excited to get to the content of today's episode. And even more so, just introduce a friend of mine. His name is Rob Winkler. He's the guest today. And uh, I, I've been talking about having Rob on the podcast a little while. We mentioned this in the recording, but Rob, in one of the conversations that we had, is one of the main reasons why I did an episode. I swear it's back in the 80s. Again, not the 1980s. 
but an episode about shared experiences, which the, the that one's been one where I've gotten nice feedback where people have said, hey, I never really thought about the fact that if I'm sitting by my partner, but I'm on my phone, that uh, that, that doesn't count, you know, that, that we're looking for a little more quality of the relationship, maybe not just the quantity or just, uh, just kind of sitting there. And so these shared experiences, if you haven't heard that one, please go back and listen to that episode on shared experiences. Um, I wanted, I, I, I promise you, I don't, I wasn't ever planning on having segments or bits, so to speak, but I just, every time I get one of these, um, the transcriptions, the automatic transcriptions, I just, uh, I just really find them fascinating. So in this last episode where I was talking about gaslighting, here's a little bit of the automatic recording or the automatic transcriptions, which again, I love the fact that here is a transcription and there is a lot of good information there and I'm working with my web guys to try to be able to put that with every episode, just kind of as it is. But uh, here's one from the gaslighting last week. It says, if, oh, okay, and so if you do feel like you are a victim of gasoline or if you feel like you're somebody who you recognize, and man, I do that. That is an exact quote from the transcript. Um, here's an even better one, and I'm not, I thought I had this one figured out. I'm not really sure which where this one was, but it says, so back to the Norton's part about this. Whiplash communication says, on the one hand, I think the guest later in the situation is likely confused, right? But then back to that, this isn't the first time at the rodeo. They've done this before. They know that others end up hurt and angry and unsettled by their actions. Sometimes when the gas light, he doesn't understand the gas or simply tells them here, you don't get it in my case. Clear as a bell. So there is the, uh, the, um, the transcription. And I've got one more. I really enjoyed this one as well. Um, again, direct transcription from my last episode. Uh, see if you can go figure out where this is in the episode. Here it goes. I was able to heat a huge cyber relief and understand the furniture in my home. It had never been rearranged. Someone was just trying to make me believe that it had been. So that uh, sounded like a very, very powerful part of that last episode. So, um, all right. So my guest today, let's get to this. My guest today is, is again, I, I mentioned a friend of mine. His name is Rob Winkler. Rob originally was one of the founders of Fifth Planet Games, and now um, his title is Studio Lead. And he'll talk a bit about that in the beginning of the episode. So Rob and I get into where this episode comes from pretty quickly, so I don't want to spoil any of that. And most likely you saw the title. But uh, this simply, it's not really just about anything Game of Thrones related. So if you are not someone who watched the show, um, this is about a concept called parasocial relationships. And if you have been one who have watched any series, any TV series, or if you find yourself um, looking up celebrity news or that sort of thing a lot of the times, uh, most likely you've had a bit of a parasocial relationship. And so a parasocial relationship is why we can feel so connected or why we care so much about celebrities, about actors, actresses, and why at the end of a TV series that we can feel, and you can even see this mirrored the same places in the brain, like it's been a real live in the flesh breakup. So according to Wikipedia, which knows all, um, parasocial interaction, or PSI, is a term coined by researchers Horton and Wool in 1956 to refer to a kind of psychological relationship experienced by an audience in their mediated encounters with performers in the mass media, particularly on television. And I have to say, even as I was preparing this episode, I, I hesitated to think, are there kids who don't really even know what the word like television means? Should this just say particularly on screens? But I think we're still, I think television is still a, a frame of reference here. Um, but, but they go on to say viewers or listeners come to feel and consider media personalities almost as friends. Parasocial interactions are described as illusionary experiences such that media audiences interact with personas. So like talk show hosts, celebrities, characters, social media influencers, as if they are engaged in a reciprocal relationship with them. And, and here's the part where um, 
man, sometimes uh, I want to say pardon that these dustings or sprinklings of narcissistic you know, things I'm about to say, but because uh, let me tell you about the time when, when I've experienced this. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, me being a big fan of a band or that sort of thing. But I've had a couple of brief experiences with a tiny bit of the parasocial interaction. And I used to write a newspaper column for the town that I lived in. I wrote it for 10 years. It was a humor column. I absolutely loved it. It began one day when I was jogging around the town and I was chased by dogs. I was chased by dogs everywhere. And I don't remember the angle that I took, but I wrote a letter to the editor and tried to make it humorous. And the editor of the paper at that time it said, hey, write any time. And then that turned into, you know, 10 years later, I had a column and it had my picture in it and all that sort of thing. And the town really grew at that time. The town that I, I live in now at one point was, you know, 5,000 people. And there was a year or two where we were, I think, one of the fastest growing cities in California. So the parasocial interactions, I would, I would bump into people at a grocery store or uh, I remember at a community pool or at a sporting event when my kids were little and they would start talking to my wife about, you know, oh, you know, telling her something that I had written about with her or people that are interacting with me or, you know, um, making kind of inside jokes that I, I felt like maybe they had made based on some of my columns. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I was flattered, but I know, oh, there was a time or two where my wife was like, man, that's a little weird to think that, you know, that person knows all of our kids and all that sort of thing. And that was, uh, that was a part where I was thinking, okay, you know, uh, maybe I can dial back putting some of that stuff out there. But, but so, and I've thought about this too. I can't imagine what it would be like to really be a recipient of a parasocial interaction. If you're somebody who is entirely known by your character, like I was trying to think of Seinfeld's Kramer or, you know, Joey from Friends or Jaleel White, who is the Urkel guy from the show that Urkel was on. So um, sit back and uh, relax. I think you're going to learn a lot about parasocial relationships and uh, and where they come from and kind of what they represent. And I think you're going to enjoy my guest, Rob Winkler. He has uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. I want to get him back on to talk about a few things that he's going to allude to today as well. So without any further ado, let's get to the uh, episode with Rob Winkler on parasocial relationships. Rob, welcome to the, uh, what, my podcast. Yeah. The virtual couch. Cool. Yeah. I'm happy to have you here. Um, Rob was just saying beforehand, you're going to see us, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, we're going to be looking over to the corner, and it's not uh, cue cards, it's not somebody directing us. What is it? It's the uh, thermostat, the Nest thermostat not working, yeah. and we're crossing our fingers okay. that restarting it is going to fix it, or it's going to get really That's looking here. promising right there. But that's how it's also looked before. That's a good point. We just turned it off and turned it back on. Okay. So. Which usually works, right? And that's a nice way to uh, do a little introduction on you. You are, I mean, you, you've owned computer companies, Rob. I mean, you should be able to handle a Nest thermostat. I know, I know. That was my best advice, was to turn it off and turn it back on. Okay, that's that the well extent done. of my technical support. Okay, uh, how about a little bit of your background? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've actually been in gaming for about a decade now. Um, I uh, run a small video game company here locally. Um, we started on web game, games like Facebook and focus on mobile. Mm. Um, small team, about 20 people. That's um, okay. Yeah. And the I'm games on, are about what? Um, they're usually like more niche games, hardcore role-playing games. Um, so they're usually not super popular games, but they, mm. the ones there, they, people play for a long time. Um, they stick around and that's usually good for business. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so were you a gamer to begin with? I mean, I know we want to get to the topic at hand, yeah. right? But did you play a lot of games growing oh, yeah. up? Oh, yeah. Yeah? It's great to like, have a career now and be able to throw that in my parents' face. <laughs> you know, they always said, quit playing video games, yeah. you know, that's a waste of time. And now you're like, look at this. I showed them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what, tell me um, what games you remember in your childhood. What were your games? Oh, man. Um, you know, the... First few Zelda games were really good. 
played a ton of uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. Oh, I remember uh, that. Uh, Bo Jackson yeah, was the yeah. right? He was, yeah, he was totally OP. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I grew up playing, actually, Halo was a game that I really played a lot, the whole mm. series. Um, I mean, depends on different phases of my life, which games I played. Yeah, so. okay. Um, but I really fell in love with games like uh, Final Fantasy. Um, and so, um, played a lot of World of Warcraft. So that's, those are kind of more the influences for the games that yeah. we make. So did you actually, I mean, did you have an idea for a game, and that's what started a This would be a whole other podcast, right? I, I, yeah, so yeah. Maybe, I don't know how interesting people would find it, but yeah. yeah. I, I have all kinds of stories. Um, yeah, we wanted to make games that we wanted to play. Okay. Uh, especially when we started on Facebook, there weren't those kinds of games. This was, you know, 2009, 2010, okay. which, you know, Farmville was about say, all it was. Farm, I think. Is yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was coming off of a pretty heavy World of Warcraft addiction, and, you know, I was trying to find a fix um, on a game that didn't quite take over my life like that game did. Yeah. Um, so, didn't see that, and so we tried to create something like that. That okay. we would, people like me and, and my co-founders um, would find appealing. Okay. And one of these, I do want to have you on again. I, we've had discussions that I'm just fascinated about, about the monetization of the free games and, and just the way that those kind of work and the algorithms. Oh, yeah. And that stuff's fascinating, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when people find out that you own a video game company, what's the typical reaction? They, um, depends on their age. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, generally people think it's pretty cool. Like, they... They, a lot of people don't think it's hard work. Okay. They're like, you know, um, especially over, you know, last decade or two, there's been lots of TV shows right. about tech companies and all that stuff and video game companies and you're sitting around playing ping pong and your flip flops all day. Um, and it's, it's not exactly that, but it is, it's better than any job I've ever had before, okay. for sure. One well, more question work. on that. So when somebody says to me, I want to be a video game designer, um, when people ask you that, what do you say? What, what's the route to go? Are there tons of them? Is that a great path? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good path. It's, it's really hard to do. Mm. Um, and it depends on what part of games you want to be in. I, I usually actually get to ask that a lot by kids. Yeah. Um, and it's usually like through their parents. And so I always talk to the parents beforehand. I'm like, Hey, tell me what they're struggling with in school. And I'll tell them how important that is to video games. You know, <laughs> okay. and a lot of times it's math, which yeah. actually is really important to design. Like we spend so much time in spreadsheets and, you know, figuring out economies. I mean, there's so many other world skills that, that play into what we do. Uh -huh. um, so I can usually find something okay. that I like that. Tell them that right? schoolwork so, is important. Okay. So stay in school, kids? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Um, have Rob here today for a very specific purpose. And and first of all, just noted, I don't think the air is working. No. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be very we succinct. To, exactly, That's right? Um, be entertaining, though. Exactly. Well, yeah. so, but Rob is here for a specific, a very specific purpose. And maybe, Rob, you can tell a little bit of the story um, around why we're gathered here today. We're throwing a little bit of the psychology in with something that you are passionate about. Um, yeah, uh, so it's kind of sp um, spun out from a discussion we were having about um, social relationships and um, specifically we were talking about um, like a weekly kind of, it's not really a blog, but it, I guess it's pretty long. Yeah. So maybe it is a blog. Um, I talked about... Um, well, you're going to be too humble, I believe, here. So Rob just started kind of uh, <laughs> writing some recaps about Game of Thrones. Yeah. So maybe some of the people have heard of this show. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's done now, so it's probably out of everybody's mind. Exactly. But and it so, was kind of a big deal back in the day. Right. And the more you did... You were doing that at first just as some way to kind of process or... Yeah. Okay. It was it was purely just like for me, and there was one friend. So I had a, a friend last year that... Um, 
she was struggling to understand everything that was going on, mm. which is totally valid and legit. Um, and so I would break everything kind of down in detail and kind of almost go scene by scene and, and talk about the callbacks to um, previous episodes and, and kind of talk a little bit about where I thought it might be going and how the interpersonal relationships were working um, and, and usually made me rewatch it again, which gave me a deeper understanding. And so um, I started with that. Um, now, did she, did, could you, do you feel like she appreciated that? Or would you oh, watch yeah. the eyes roll in the yeah, head? Or no. no, she was in. If it wasn't up by like 10 a.m. the next yeah, morning, yeah. she was texting me. She's like, where's my okay. recap? I, okay. I, no, I, I need to be able to talk about this. And I think I was, and I, you know, I may be being a little bit too humorous there, but I think we all had the person who's going to tell us the whole story about something that we really don't care about. Yes. Right? And then we're like. Like my fantasy football team. You want to hear about my fantasy football team? Anyway, so Rob had, uh, <laughs> had been writing about. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I mean, kind of, I do want to hear, but I mean, that's a whole other podcast, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you, yeah, so you're writing about that. You start getting the recaps up and they start, what happens? Um, just a lot of people um, reached out and a lot of people interacted and people, I was posting on Facebook and um, people that I was, you know, friends with yeah. that I haven't talked to in maybe 20 years or I met kind of, you know, very quickly at work and have never really had a conversation with all of a sudden started liking the post and started interacting with me and and I just thought that was really fascinating that people that I maybe didn't have anything else in common with yeah. um, and were, were giving their feedback and thoughts and asking questions. And it, it, um, and it was kind of people from, again, from maybe high school that I knew or people that I knew through church or the people that I knew through work. And it's just all these different people. And they started interacting with each other. And it was just really fascinating for me to see that, it was bringing kind of everybody together. So it yeah. made it more important for me to do it. And, and, you know, I put even more kind of work and depth into it. Okay. So then we approached the end. And I, you know, because as a friend, I wanted to read them. And I would try to read them and realize I don't know who the characters are. <laughs> I listened to one of the audiobooks way back in season one. And I, and it was it was really fascinating. But, you know, I kind of got lost. Mm -hmm. But even then, I thought they were so well written. I wanted to be a part of this. <laughs> um, but then, it, so then when the, the finale hits, and as a therapist, I have to tell you, Game of Thrones, I mean, it made me some money. Because people, uh, right? Had the, trouble the, dealing with they that. Had with, uh -huh. They had trouble dealing with They had trouble the anticipation of, or even early in the season. And I don't know what your thoughts Well, I mean, I'd read some of them. But if people were happy or not happy about the way that the season was going. So I'm processing a lot of that in this room. Um, and out of curiosity, yeah, were you pretty satisfied with the ramp up? Yeah. Okay. Well, so generally speaking with things like this, I try to appreciate them for what they are and what not, you know, what they're not. Mm. Um, and I don't presume that I could ever do a better job. Like okay. I know how hard being a creative of any type is. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't consider myself that creative. Like I can't draw, I can't write a story. Like I can barely spell, you know, there's a lot of things I can't do, but I, I understand the social aspects of games. And I feel that that is a creative thing to do. Yeah. Um, and the designing economies and balancing systems and characters um, is a little bit creative. And so to, to be able to like write a TV show, like I can't fathom what it would take. So who am I to like, yeah. you know, talk bad about the stuff that they do. So, it's not my story to tell, so I just appreciate it for what it is. So I love that. So I still remember one of the first times that somebody was telling me, and it had to do with sports, and they were telling me that some general manager didn't know what he was talking about or something, and I was saying, right, but you're just kind of coming to that as a fan. I mean, you don't really think you could do that. And the person was like, oh, yeah, I could do that job in my sleep, you know? So you're not saying that you could have written the... No. Okay. No. Yeah. I mean, I have those thoughts in the moment. Yeah. But especially about football, actually, and, you know, being a general manager, but no, <laughs> never. Okay. So I'm then realistic about that. Story. Okay. So leading up to, and, and the reason that I started kind of just lovingly texting you was waiting for that recap. And then uh, I think I did see a post on Facebook where 
I mean, you, what, what, what was kind of the tone of when you said, here's why I have not posted my finale recap? So, and I still haven't posted it. It's been a couple weeks now. Um, I'm struggling to process it. Okay. And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole of why am I struggling to right. process this? And that's where kind of, you know, our conversations mm-hmm. have, we've talked about it a little bit. Um, and I found it just really fascinating um, why why I was struggling to deal with it, why other people are so upset. It gave me more insight into, especially this last season or last two seasons, why people have been so passionate about you know the show and where it's yeah. going so. and i want to get so i want to jump into there i love you sent me an article and um and it's it talks about parasocial uh which are one-sided or imaginary relationships with favorite characters mm-hmm. and and the more i dug into that it's i it's pretty funny i've had a couple of clients before who have they've been roadies or have just been just obsessed with uh celebrity mm-hmm. and i mean it talks about that that parasocial relationship uh, one-sided or imaginary, where people really develop feelings and they care about these people. Yep. And and so so that's kind of where you were were yeah. starting processes, right? Yeah. Well, and that's just very real. I mean, obviously the you know the stalkers are extreme cases, but yeah. I think a lot of people that that like TV have shows over their lifetime. They've watched it. They really connected with the characters, and they're really sad when the show ended. Maybe they were also very angry mm-hmm. if they didn't like the way it ended. But um, there's a, a real sense of loss yeah. there. Um, and so, um, you know, for me growing up, it was, it was Star Trek. And then, you know, I, I thought about that a lot too. I was like, man, you know, I've gone to conventions. Why is it so important for me to go to conventions? Like, oh. it's, it's great to be around people that care about the same thing that you do, yeah. but you always want to meet people from the show. And it's like, oh, my, my favorite character's still alive. I'm like, I understand that there's a difference there, but your brain, I don't think, works right. the same way around that. Well, did you meet some of those? I'm curious, like, oh, back yeah. when you were young? Yeah. Where, did you have positive and negative experiences? I mean, was there anybody that was, like, getaway kid? You know, no, I'm playing that really cool. Okay. Yeah. So that, that helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found in some of the research, too, it talked about even the, the more we live in this world of access and people can, you know, they really do... Um, solidify these relationships in their mind because they're not just reading something in a magazine once in a while. No, yeah. They can I mean, follow they have constant daily, especially with Twitter and, yeah. and celebrities that are, you know, just talking about their everyday. You you develop connections again, these very one sided relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to know them, and you feel like you know. There's always the joke. Oh, if we met in real life, we would be best friends. Right. Like I know we would be best friends. Yeah. Um, but because you you feel like you really know that person, obviously we, we all know social media is very um, is usually very curated, mm. and it's you know a persona that people want to put out there for the most part. Yeah. Um, so um, that's so a Star Trek. Do you remember thing. that that when that ended? Um, I know they've had the next generation is what I kind of grew up. Okay. With. Yeah. So do you, was that one of the first times where you recognized at the end of something? Yeah. Something happened. Yeah, that was the that was definitely the first time that I was that invested in a show. Mm. Um, you know, for me, it was one of the few things I did with my father that he was also invested yeah. in, um, and so it had a special relationship there. So yeah, when it when it ended, um, you know, I was um, you know teenager. I think it was seventeen, eighteen. So that's also kind of a difficult time yeah. for fathers and sons. Um, and yeah, I I, I definitely remember. Like that sense of loss um, that stuck with me for a long time, which yeah. was um, weird. You know? I have to throw a plug too. Your a conversation you and I had is what uh, motivated the an episode I did called um, shared uh, shared experiences. Uh-huh. Yeah, where I really and I've got great feedback from that. That's cool. Where right where people uh, share an experience with a parent or a spouse, or it's not just sitting on the couch watching TV. No, I love that stuff, and that's yeah. that's kind of why I wrote the blogs kind of 
and I put them on Facebook versus just like texting them to my friend, yeah. was other people enjoyed that and it became more of a social experience. I even, my brother um, isn't on Facebook, and but he, he, he doesn't know anyone that watches Game of Thrones that he really talks to. Uh-huh. So I would just email him to him and then we would talk about them. And he's like, that's so great because I don't feel like I have anybody to share that experience with. Yeah. And even at one point, I mean, for the most part, we don't maybe talk about it afterwards. It's still kind of a one-sided relationship. I'm just sending him all my stuff yeah. and then that's it. But he feels like, okay, um, I have some extra level of engagement um, with it, with someone else, which makes it kind of deeper and more meaningful. Yeah, and I do feel like shared experience is a big thing with that too. Uh, people don't want to always just talk about the the kids or the finances or the job or, you know, and, and I'm not saying it's an escape, but that's why I liked when you had talked about it's something you share together, you can ask uh, questions about and opinions and thoughts. And, yeah. Right? And it might be something that, I mean, some, something like Game of Thrones, especially the last couple of years, has been so accessible because it is so widespread. Uh-huh. It is it is this kind of social phenomenon recently because it's been so popular. And it, it's one of those things that you might be, you know, on an airplane or, yeah. you know, a DMV, and you have, you strike up a conversation with somebody that you've just met and might not have anything in common at all, but you have that and you both can, like, nerd out and... And really, kind of talk about it, which, yeah. is, which is really cool. Um, I, I liked on the what you had sent uh, the article that talked about. Um, let's see, this was a study that was called "Parasocial Breakup from Favorite Television Characters." <laughs> uh, communication professor Jonathan Cohen, University of Haifa. Three hundred eighty-one adults to understand how they process the loss of their favorite TV characters. And I just like this quote where it said, "If a show is done well, uh, viewers should feel like they really know the characters they watch on their screens. They see them grow, change, evolve, and suffer." And uh, and it made me think of the only experience I could really pull was uh, I was a Breaking Bad fan, mm-hmm. and and I did feel like boy talk about watching the character change. And I do remember watching an interview with um, Brian Cranston, and and it is that actor thing where he would talk about well Walter does this, and and I remember when I was young I used to think you know no that's you like yeah. you're playing right, mm-hmm. but it is just show you like that character development. Yeah. So do you feel like Game of Thrones was one of the better shows you've seen as far as like the breadth of characters or the depth of characters? For sure, absolutely, yeah. and it ran for so long too which those I think those relationships solidify over time you know mm-hmm. if it was something you just binged over a couple weeks yeah. like yeah that the intensity of that is different but when when you spread it out over so many years over what 10 years this has been going on now with the eight seasons um that's that's a lot of investment that you have and a lot of time to to um process this stuff so there's a there's yeah. a thought that that's the last right tv big tv yeah. moment ever yeah because of the delay and mm-hmm. the buildup, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's 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 rare. I mean, Netflix will just drop an entire season and like, yeah, you binge about it and talk about it the next day, but it's not quite like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I, I find it very fascinating, and I think we've seen it maybe more recently because I th- I think we're kind of in you know the golden age of television. Yeah, the last decade or so, there's been so many good shows that really, um, you know, the the characters are flawed and they're deep and they really take a lot of time to. To flesh them out um so there's there's different ways that i've processed you know endings to shows based on how it ended or how i felt about the way it ended. and i think it's just it is really fascinating um, because it is a lot like a relationship i think with game of thrones people kind of saw it not ending well yeah and i think it's like the end of a relationship like you know when things start going bad you can see the writing on the wall and you start to fight more yeah. and you start to like, you know, point out all of the flaws and start shifting the blame um, because you know when it blows up, you don't want to own that stuff. Yeah. And I think that happened a lot with, with Game of Thrones. Whereas like uh, a show that I recently finished that I, I, 
I processed differently was the Americans, mm. um, which I think universally that finale is everyone's very satisfied with it. I haven't heard anything bad about it. Okay, um, because it ended differently, um, and it was a very it was a different show, but it was something that I think a lot of people still really connected with in a weird way about eighties KB, KGB agents, oh. um, you know, um, but. You know the the sense of closure that you got there was different than than we got in yeah. Game of Thrones for so sure. It, when I, and I know I just remember hearing that a lot of characters died throughout the seasons on Game of Thrones. Yes. I mean, was that would you go into an episode hoping I'm not going to lose my friend? Or? Oh, very much, especially yeah. the last couple of seasons. Okay. Yeah, because they're the, the those characters were were ripped away from you. It wasn't the setup like okay. it, it never. Like, I don't want to give too many spoilers away. But I was going to say, do, we, do I say at the beginning, spoiler alert? I mean, do you want to be able to speak freely? I or? think, yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't say too much. Okay. I mean, at this point, I think okay. a lot of people have much more important things that have already probably been spoiled yes. about the show. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but for the most part, like, the big stuff didn't happen in season finales, okay. which I thought was cool. Um, and so you don't see it coming, whereas, you know, a lot of TV shows, especially, you know, over the decades... It was always the cliffhanger at the end of the season to find out if something happened to this character you cared about. Yeah. And in this, like, just all of a sudden someone would just get the head chopped off and you're just like, what the heck just happened? Okay. I don't know how to process that. Yeah. Um, it's very shocking and upsetting. Um, and so after all the years, people look back at some of those episodes um, and some of those um, shocks and they're like, oh, that was so cool. But, you know, I think you kind of forget. Again, same thing with relationships. You look back in relationships with those, you know, rose-colored glasses. Oh, that's funny. Um, they're like, oh, that was so great. Like, that was such an important moment. Yeah. But at the moment, you were so upset. Yeah. Like, how could you do this to me? It was devastating. So I, I find that stuff very fascinating. How, how do you... So, and is, speaking of a world of spoilers, would you... So would you run into situations where you'd be at work or want to talk about something and people would say, I haven't seen it? The, you know, oh, yeah, all the time. Okay. Did you have a, a time limit where you're like, we're talking about it after this many days? No, I was always respectful okay. of that. Cause I, yeah, I feel like some people are not. Yeah, right? no. There, yeah, a lot of people, it's like 24 hours. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to put you know, a warning. I'm just going to post about it on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. Um, and there's people like there's, you know, um, with Endgame That's and with Game of Thrones, there are people that are tweeting stuff out. Um and you know, just that sucks if you're following someone and it just pops up on your phone. And like, oh, this happened. That's awesome. That movie, you know, the the, the end of the end game was was spoiled for me. I was walking into a Star Wars movie and I had done so good of not paying attention to anything, and some guy just walking by on his way out said it. Whatever, you know. No, there's people that got the crappy out of them for doing that during <laughs> Endgame. Did they? Yeah, there's a few stories that I saw. Because um, that's just that's just messed up. Yeah. That's not cool. So so what I do like as well is the the, the research I could find around this wasn't saying um, these people don't really have relationships there. So, you know, just tell them to get over it. But, I mean, it really is to say it goes back to the... Um, and I feel like there's a lot of empathy here where if you're just telling someone it's just to show or get over it, you're basically just saying, I really don't want to care about your emotions or I don't mm -hmm. want to hear about what this was like for you. Yeah, you're completely invalidating that. Exactly. Yeah, which is silly. Yeah. I, I think what I liked about there is that they should be, I, I don't know, I, the way I at least took it was they should be complimentary, um, you know, feelings in relationships with characters or with television shows. Um, they shouldn't replace, you know, actual social interaction and... Um, and relationships with people because yeah. when those TV shows end, then then it's just like I have nothing to live for. Like everybody <laughs> yeah. I cared about is gone. Yeah, that's scary, and that yeah. stuff happens. Yeah, so no, that is. Um, yeah, I, I I find it very fascinating though the way that the you know the human brain works and the way that we attach ourselves to these things that are are clearly not real. Like we know Game of Thrones is not real, right? 
Um, well, okay, so when you say attachment, here's where I want to get into, into the weeds. And, you know, I did a podcast a couple weeks ago on just attachment theory 101. And we come out of the womb and we're squishy babies and we're not, you know, rhinoceroses that can go get our own food right mm-hmm. away. And we have this attachment to our parents and our parents are going to blow it just because um, everybody blows it mm-hmm. because of lack of knowledge or too much knowledge or the wrong science at the time or new science or whatever. And then, so now at that point, now we're kind of left to, we're looking for these secure attachments. So I've got it. I thought about this when we were going to meet. Uh, so when I'm doing marriage therapy and you're supposed to have this secure attachment to your partner and the Sue Johnson, uh, founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy says that needs to be the person that you can anchor to. And then you go out and you explore the world and the emotional ups and downs, highs mm-hmm. and lows, because you know, you can go back to the secure attachment. The theory is that if you can't go back to your partner because they are going to say, it's just a show, like you're crazy, then you know, we, we have an innate desire to attach. So we are gonna find communities of people or we are gonna attach to shows mm-hmm. or, you know, and so when I was doing a little bit of the, the digging around today, that the people that do get too wrapped up in a show are people that isolate, they don't have those other attachments and that becomes their world, yeah. right? Yeah. No, very much, and you see that, um, you know, it was, that was, I think, um, a really interesting part of the internet when I, you know, first started using it was it was really easy to find like fan groups of stuff. Okay. Because those people didn't have those secure attachments, and this this makes a lot of sense now. Um, didn't have those secure attachments maybe at home, and so they would reach out and try to find people that had things in common. Yeah. And so you know one of the one of the first ones that I found. I mean, it was later in life, but it was around the show Lost. It was uh-huh. like the first TV show that I really kind of got into that way and connected with other people that I had never talked to before. So I started reading other people's blogs and I would comment on stuff and I would follow different like writers of uh, for different um, newspapers that were all theorizing about it. Um, and it was it was fascinating that so many people invested so much energy and emotion into that stuff. Yeah. Um, and the internet makes that very easy to do because you have you have that common ground. I think it's, it's. I talk to my kids about this, they're growing up in a different age of when I found, you know, when I would make friends growing up, it would be kids at school that also like some of the stuff that I do, where they're meeting kids from anywhere in the world that also likes the th- same things that they do. Yeah. Um, and so you have a bigger base to pull from. Um, so I don't know. I think well, that's cool. What's funny is when uh, I was thinking about this too. Over the last probably decade, uh, as the kids are connecting with people online, I, I I think we finally made the shift of that's just some guy in his underwear in a basement. You know, yep. now they like we have with the webcams. And I mean, did did you ever have those thoughts back in the day that you know my kids would be connecting with somebody they're not even no okay no because uh, I mean I was doing that before um, my parents made fun of me uh, <laughs> in a very loving way my sure. parents are great yeah um and like when i got married i invited someone from my world of warcraft guild that i'd never met in real life mm. didn't know what he looked like until when he was flying out he like sent me a picture so i'd know who he was wow. at the airport yeah and my wife was like this is super weird <laughs> um and so that was you know 18 years ago yeah um so then it was it was different but i was already heavily invested in that kind of world and that life and that's that stigmatism has really kind of gone away yeah. or changed. I mean, people are, are more accepting and they're also more aware of, you know, some of the dangers of that. Um, so yeah, at this point with my kids, I don't, I don't think I've ever told them like, that's not a real friend okay. or that person, you know, I, I, I tried to teach them to be safe online. Yeah. Like, you know, if that, so the guy's they, like, Hey, do you, do you have your parents' credit card number? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like send me pictures. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. There's some clear lines there, but for the most part, um, you know, uh, it's 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 different. Well, and I like that. I mean, as, as somebody who works with uh, teenagers, when a teenager then hears their parents say, 
you know, um, all you do is play video games, and the teenager's saying, no, this is my friends, you know, and then, they're, and then that's invalidated. Yeah. Talk about a nice way to go ahead and drive the wedge in yeah. between, right? Yeah, and that's, I'm glad that I understand that, because that, especially my oldest son, is a lot like that. Um, through Minecraft, and he, he's, he's, you know, 17, almost 18 now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's stopped really playing Minecraft for a long time, but the friends that he built through that, he still keeps in contact with. Sometimes they'll still go play, mm-hmm. and, you know, at this point, when I see him playing Minecraft, I know it's because he's trying to connect with his friends. Yeah. And so I will treat that game differently than like any other game he plays. Yeah. Because I know he's maybe feeling lonely or he's just reconnecting with, like in his case, you know, one of his oldest friends, somebody he's been friends with for 10 years. At 17, that's, you know, the majority of your, of your yeah. life. That, that's, I can't lie. Uh, and I know my son would never listen to this much of one of my podcasts, <laughs> but I, I have not had as much of a struggle with uh, him playing Fortnite as I thought I would because when I hear him on the headset with his friends and laughing and that sort of thing, it's like just music to my ears. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, before we run out of time, the, the, the so Game of Thrones. So you have not written... I'm curious, is this one of these, all right, go full therapist mode on you here. So, uh, you know, there's this concept in, in acceptance and commitment therapy, uh, especially this book I love called The Confidence Gap, where it's when I have confidence, then I will do whatever the event is. And the theory is, no, I need to do the event to get the confidence. So are you waiting for a particular moment to then have the, I am now ready to do my recap? Or are you slowly processing the recap all along? I'm not processing it all along. I am waiting for the moment. Like yeah. I've tried to start it a couple times. Like I've fired up the episode again mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not ready I don't want to deal with this right now yeah so I, I will soon I think but um, just not quite ready yet okay but what is that moment what is that I will know when I don't know I don't know I'll just know okay I mean it's just one of those things I, I might just get bored with other things but like fine I'll finally do right. it and then it will be unceremonious and the next thing yeah. you know you're watching taking notes and it's like alright I'm ready yeah no, okay. it wasn't that hard I mean it's not that hard um, I think part of it though is, is kind of like I'm kind of savoring it. Like, okay, this is what I wanted to go. I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. is that part of like because once I do that, it's over. Then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that. I've noticed that I've done that with some TV shows before. There's a show that I just really, really loved um, called Halt and Catch Fire, and um, I knew it was four seasons because I, I watched it like a year or two after it was done. I knew they weren't going to make any more, and so the last season, like I, I took a lot of breaks. Like I binged the first three seasons, and I would go days in between episodes, whereas normally I watch two or three a night. Yeah. Um, and then the last few episodes, you know, I would maybe, maybe a week between episode, each episode, because I just, I didn't want it to be over quite yet. I wanted to just kind of take my time. Yeah. Um, which I thought, I don't know, was kind of fascinating. No, that is, I, and I do feel like here's the, hey, kids get off my lawn, old man moment. But that concept of not having to wait, I just, the kids will never understand what that's like. No. And, and it was, it was amazing to have to wait in that anticipation. And even before we could record things or, yeah. I mean, you know, must see TV and had to be there in the moment and like, yeah. or heaven forbid when the VCRs came out, the tape got stuck or something like that. Right. Yeah. Fortunately, I think we still get that with sports. Like my kids yes. really love sports and we're a huge uh, Detroit Lions fans. I don't know why, um, <laughs> but like, you can't speed that up. You can't do anything else. It's live TV. And so it's just like, oh, I really want to see, you know, how we're going to do this season. I really want to see next game. You have to wait a week. You know, yeah. you have to be um, invested. In. So at least they still get that. But but yeah, Game of Thrones was maybe one of the last ones that people are gonna really get into that way. There'll always be more shows, but um, but yeah, it's funny, especially with that one. Um, people that were catching up towards the end when it started becoming more and more of a cultural phenomenon uh-huh. during the last two seasons. That binge the first five or six seasons and like, oh, it's so hard to wait till next week. I'm like, yeah, dude, you don't even know. <laughs> 
Like there's some, there were a couple of cliffhangers. And like you, you don't know what it was like to wait a year and a half. Because oh. sometimes they had really big gaps yeah. between that episode and the next. And you're just like, oh, three minutes later, I know how it was resolved. Oh. So a year and a half and some guy's like, man, I really got to go to bed. You know, yeah. this is like unfair. Yeah. Yeah. So are you willing to give any, uh, I guess it wouldn't be spoilers, of your thoughts around anything to do at the end? Um, I was generally satisfied with it. Okay. Um, there were some things that I didn't love. I mean, if I was dream writing it, it probably would have ended a little bit differently. Yeah. But um, I, I'm not as mad as, you know, the, most of the internet what is. The, the, what's the petition about? Like, I heard there was a petition. The, the, that was actually really stupid. They were petitioning HBO to not air, like, I think it was one or two of the last episodes, because this was before it finished. Oh. Not air those and rewrite the entire eighth season. That's, okay. that's stupid. Like, right. you guys have problems. <laughs> And that's taking a little... I mean, I think most people probably sign it as a joke. Or, yeah. You know, it's just one of the ways for a fandom to kind of um, show their displeasure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty silly. Okay. Are there going to be spinoffs? Your prediction. Rob Winkler. Yeah. Yeah. There's too okay. much money in there. About dragons or it will be people? So they've, they've already started filming a prequel. Really? Um, yeah. They, they, they just started that recently. Um, that takes place like a thousand years before this. Oh, wow. Um, events that are, that are um, mentioned in the show. But they've said time and time again that there's not going to be any direct sequels oh, to this. Like okay. those characters are done. I also don't believe that. Uh-huh. I just I think that they're going to wait a couple years and then HBO is going to need money, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and they're gonna there's a few characters that they can take and 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 they you know definitely set up sequels with. So okay, this has hit me. Uh, your your games have to do with dragons. Yeah. Game of Thrones, dragons. Yeah. Uh, HBO. Um, contact Rob. <laughs> All right, Rob Winkler, thanks yeah. for joining me on the Virtual Couch. Thanks for having me. Okay. Hey, I uh, hope you liked that episode. I'm recording this part because, again, the Oxbus software has a little point where it says closer. So this is my closer. So thanks for joining me today. Please stop by TonyOverbay.com. You can sign up there to find out more about some upcoming programs and uh, some exciting news. And again, please don't forget to um, rate or review or subscribe to the Virtual Couch Podcast wherever you get your podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. And uh, check us out on Instagram at Virtual Couch. And thanks again for spending time on the Virtual Couch. And uh, I will see you next week.